That's great. Thank you very much. It's it's fantastic just to be here today and to see people in the church. It's just it's just wonderful. And uh, although I wasn't expecting to see two Martians uh, doing the worship from outer space, uh, so it was nice. It was nice to see. So we thank Graham and and Rachel and Nathan and Nicola also for doing the worship and it's just wonderful to see everybody in church along with others who are at home on zoom it's just so good to see you all and uh just wondering what to to speak about today and really praying to the lord about it and uh, asking the lord to show me and the lord in a sense took me back to january and I would just like to share a few thoughts from the psalm I spoke in January. Now, it will be a different focus. It will be a different emphasis. But uh, I was just thinking a way back to before the coronavirus. And it's, <laughs> it's hard to remember what life was like before corona. So uh, I just want to speak today in Psalm 3. And with the, the real heading, or the main heading being, being prepared this is a time just now when we need to be prepared. Graham and Nicola and uh, probably Cathy and Bill, whoever was involved in organising the church, that has taken a bit of preparation in today's world. And whoever thought, whoever thought life would have been like this? When I spoke in January in this psalm, I never thought for a minute life would be like this. But it is. And this might be the new normal for a wee while, but we can still trust God and we can thank God for opportunities to meet together and for folk now, uh, today, to be in church. Just a wee reminder, I think we're having communion uh, today also. Just a wee reminder uh, to folks, I think Graham probably said that and maybe I, uh, maybe I didn't hear it, but I think we're having communion uh, today as well, just so that you can be prepared for that. So Psalm 3, with the heading, be prepared. Let's read it together. If you've, if you've got a Bible, just turn to it with me. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise Lord, deliver me my God. Strike all my enemies in the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes salvation or deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Amen. And God will bless to us that reading of his holy word. And these unusual times, wherever we go, whatever we do in our schools, when out socializing, when we meet together with others, and thinking about meeting in church, and thinking about opening our coffee house, we need to be prepared. Never, never more than, than never in any other time, much more than this, have we needed to be prepared. 
And whatever we do, we need to be prepared. That's the Boy Scout motto. I was in the BBs, but that's the Boy Scout motto. And that was devised by a, an old soldier. Uh, some, of the, some of the more mature people listening will remember him, like Nancy. Uh, Baden-Powell in 1907, uh, he coined that, that uh, the phrase for the Boy Scouts, the motto, uh, be prepared. And the idea for that was for the Boy Scouts was to be prepared in all situations and don't be taken by surprise. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to speak on this also was in verse 3 it says, you're a shield around me, the shield of faith. The last time I spoke a few weeks ago, I spoke in the armour of God. And I was listening to the kids in Zoom today. And sometimes we look for confirmation about what we're going to speak about. And you'll never believe it. The kids in Zoom this morning were talking, uh, uh, sharing about the armour of God. And the leaders were sharing about the armour of God in Zoom. And I just thought, amen, Lord. Thanks for the confirmation that... Uh, that at least I'm going in the right direction. So I want to share a wee bit about David because it was David that wrote this psalm. And uh, David, David wasn't, a he wasn't particularly prepared for his son Absalom wanting to kill him. And I was just thinking when, when Graham, sometimes, as you know, I don't need to tell you, you, you probably, Margaret knows better than anybody that sometimes when I'm, I've got a train of thought, Something else comes into my head and I, I can go for ages at a tangent. And then something Margaret's always tried to draw me in about. But I was just thinking when when Graham uh, went into his wee random worship bit there, you know, uh, and Nicola's not able to get up on the screen and I'm sure Nicola was saying, I'm going to kill him later on. Now, she didn't mean that. Well, maybe she did. But, but David, I don't think, was ever expecting that his son Absalom would want to come. And David was a wonderful man, born in Bethlehem. He's a shepherd boy, as we know. He killed a Goliath. He killed Goliath, who was nine feet tall. He was a hero. He had eight wives. He had 19 sons and a daughter. He had major family problems. Now, I don't know if that was to do with the fact that he had eight wives or not. I don't know. But he had major family problems. Many of these family problems caused by himself. And sometimes that's the case for us, isn't it? That sometimes when we encounter problems, some of them are our own doing, and others are circumstantial and not of our own doing. But always remember this, that God uses sinners, flawed men and women, even in our brokenness. David made a mess of things. Sometimes he was in the mountaintop, and sometimes he was in the valley. Sometimes he did wonderful things for God, and sometimes he made a real mess of God. But you know what? God uses broken people, flawed men and women like ourselves. And always remember that, maybe when you're feeling low or dispirited. David went from one trial to another. He went from victory and, pray, and praise to the waves and billows of despair and despondency sweeping over him. I think that's probably why there's so many of us are attracted to the Psalms. The Psalms are very dear to Christians because I think they bring reality into our situations. And David was Israel's greatest king, bar none. He was Israel's greatest king. 
yet his son Absalom wanted to kill him, as did King Saul before Absalom. You can read that in Samuel if you want to look at the story, look at the story of Absalom wanting to kill his dad. But his faith in God and his skill in music and poetry was used by God in the writing of the Psalms. We just know how wonderful they are. But the bottom had gone out of David's world. I don't know if, like me, you've ever felt as though the bottom's gone out of your world. I said this the last time. Sometimes in life circumstances, you just feel, Lord, this can't get any worse. Whenever you feel it can't get any worse, what harms? It does. It does. That often happens to us. The bottom had gone out of his world. It gone from a hero to zero. We just need to look at many people in the news, many people in the world of fame and ceremony. And sometimes people go from hero to zero and one fell swoop, swoop, and that's what happened to David. But you know something in Acts chapter 13 and 17 to 23, if you want to read it. Through it all, David was a man after God's own heart. I think that's wonderful. When you look at his flaws, when you look at, at, at how difficult a time that he had in life, a lot of them created by himself. The Bible tells us in Acts, he was a man after God's own heart. Please don't feel despondent if you've messed things up. I'm telling you, if I was to share with you how often I had messed things up, we would be on this all day, and I know you don't want that. It's bad enough having to listen to me a wee bit. But remember, God can use you. Even although you're a broken and flawed person like me, don't let your head go down. What happens yesterday can't change. We come before the God, and, and David needed to do that. He was a man after God's own heart. And we're just like to look for a few minutes at the psalm and uh, just make a few points about, about what you can expect from God. In these times of coronavirus, we need to rely on God's promises. In the scriptures, there's over 30,000 promises. And there's some of them in this psalm. And the promises are what, what we can expect God to do for us. And there's a few promises in this psalm. And the first is that, that, that the Lord will deliver you. Verse 2, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying God will not deliver him. At the writing of this psalm, David was in big trouble. Absalom had led a rebellion against him. Many of, many of David's previous friends had forsook him. And they joined up with others who were after him. If you want to read that in 2 Samuel. David's situation was so bad, it seemed it was beyond God's help. And some of his friends probably, helped, probably felt that God was unwilling to help him. Not that, not that God was unable to help him, but God was unwilling to help him. Because they looked at David's past sin and they felt, this is what he deserves. Now, how often have we looked to others or looked at a family or a family have looked to us and they've said, well, I'm really feeling for them, but you know something they should have known better. 
and it's maybe what they deserve, and it'll maybe help them to learn a lesson. And that's what his friends might have been feeling. So it's not that he was unwilling to help them, but they, but they felt that God, sorry, it was not that he was unable to help them, but they felt that God might be unwilling to help them. But remember, there is no help from anyone else that will get you through situations than God. And David knew this. David knew this. And he knew that God would deliver him, no matter how many he's up against him. He knew that God would deliver him. Verse 3 says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. You can expect God to shield you. I heard the children, I think, singing that this morning about being a, the shield of faith. You can expect God to shield you. And I, I, I took a wee copy of uh, something I found in, in Google Images. I'm just wanting to post a wee bit that I know how to get into Google Images. Uh, and I don't know if you can see that or not. I'm, I'm hoping you can. But that's a photograph of soldiers, probably the Roman army. And uh, you'll notice that it's a group and the shields, the shields are all around them. So they've got their helmets on top. They've got the shields around them and they've got their swords coming through the side of the shields. Now that's, that's basically what the thinking is in relation to this metaphor. The Lord will shield you. Even in the circumstances, as difficult as they were, David knew that God was his shield. It was under attack from a ruthless enemy. But David needed a shield, a shield that was all around him. It covered him from above, and it covered him all around him. And he had his sword there also. And David knew, David knew that God would shield him, Lord, you're a shield for me. My glory, the one who lifts my head up. I'll tell you this, nobody else can lift your head up when you're feeling despondent. I don't know how many times in life, when I look at my own personal life, my head's been like this. I'm showing you my, I shouldn't be showing you the top of my head because that creates a bit of a problem. You then know how much I've lost my hair. But, but, how often in life has your head been down? I think probably, like me, guy often, particularly in these times of coronavirus, I can tell you there are times when I've personally felt really low. But coming before the Lord and asking the Lord to lift your head up, My glory, the one who lifts my head. People search for glory and all sorts of things. We've never lived in times more than this when people want personal glory. They want fame. They want power. They glory in achievements. They glory in possessions. They glory in the type of car they've got. They glory in their good looks. I don't mean myself. I remember when I was at primary school, and uh, the teacher used to play the piano and the girls went on one side and the boys went on the other side. But I remember we went upstairs, I would just be, you know, 10 or 11 and 
I always remember the girls used to look across at the boys and they all said, oh, I wish Sandy Steen was my boyfriend. And, uh, you know, I, I, that happened often and I used to shout across, listen, I can't go out with you all girls. And uh, you'll realise I'm kidding on. But uh, when I look at myself now, <laughs> how, how time deals with you <laughs> as you get older. So we cannot glory in anything other than the Lord. David found his glory in the Lord. That's where our glory needs to be. Brothers and sisters, we need to home home in in this. It doesn't matter what you've achieved or who you are or what doctorate you've got or what professorship you've got or how big a car you've got, how big a house you've got. Our glory needs to be in the Lord. We've got nothing if our glory is not in the Lord. You can expect God to hear and answer you, verse 4. I called to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. Absalom went in and took over Jerusalem from David. But David knew that Absalom wasn't the one that was enthroned in God's holy hill in Jerusalem. He knew that nobody could take that over from God. That's God's holy hill. It doesn't belong to man. So you can expect God to hear and answer you, but not from a holy hill that's far away and distant where God hears you from a distance. A holy hill is right where you are in church today. You're standing in holy ground for the people that are sitting in their living rooms or kitchens or wherever they are at home. We're sitting in holy ground wherever the Holy Spirit is, wherever God is. That's God's holy mountain. That's God's holy place. So we're in holy ground this morning. You can expect God to hear and answer your verse like, call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. So always remember that. The holy place is where you're sitting right now. You can expect God to sustain you, to keep you going. How difficult has it been in this time of coronavirus at times to feel as though I just can't go on. I'm struggling with so many things. Depression's hit me. Being low's hit me. Struggling not to see my family's hit me. I just feel really low. The Lord says, said to David, I don't and go to sleep. And he wakes again because the Lord sustains him. David think, didn't think he would be able to sleep because of his circumstances. I mean, if somebody's going to kill you, you're going to have to try and stay awake all the time to, to make sure they're not near you. And he also struggled to actually get it into his mind that he might waken because he thought, I'm not going to waken, I'm going to be killed. But the Lord sustained him. The Lord will give you rest when you need it. I struggle with sleep. I'm a bit of an insomniac. But you know, sometimes when I'm really needing a good sleep, I get one. I just sit before the Lord, I need, just need a good sleep. And the Lord sustains us in every single situation that we are in. We need to grasp a hold of that. You can expect God to protect you. Verse 6. I will not fear, though tens of thousands are still me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies in the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. Now, the Lord protects us. 
if you can imagine, there's hardly anything more dangerous than a crocodile or an alligator or a lion. But you imagine a lion with a broken jaw and broken teeth. No. Not very dangerous. You imagine an alligator or a crocodile with a broken jaw and broken teeth. Not very dangerous. The Lord protects us. The Lord will not only deal with people, but he'll break the jaw and he'll break the teeth of the wicked. And they'll not be able to get dentures because they'll be dealt with. And remember, that's the God that defends us. That's the God that looks after us. Verse 8, you can expect God to bless you. From the Lord comes salvation or deliverance. May your blessings be on your people. Both in the ultimate and in the immediate sense, David knew that God was his salvation. And salvation can't be found in a nation or a sect or a schism, but only in the Lord God. We know that. To be saved, you need to deal with the Lord himself. If you want to know the, your, the Lord in your heart for salvation, you need to be saved yourself. We, th we think a lot today about external cleansing. In our house, we think a lot about external cleansing. I don't know what your house is like, but uh, I was going to say Margaret's got me demented, but, but she's not got me demented. The fact is she does things right, and sometimes... I could maybe, you'll know what I'm like, I could maybe cut wee corners. But we're living in, in a day of hand, days of hand sanitizers, antibacterial wet wipes, domestos, surface cleaners, disposable gloves. That's the new normal. That's the new normal. I never used to use hand sanitizer 30 times a day. I never used to do that. And that, that cleansing is an external cleansing so that we don't pass things on to others and we don't get things from others. We're face masks, etc. But do you know something? The most important cleansing is internal. Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And we all need the cleansing. It's so important to follow the rules. It's so important to do things right in this, these days of coronavirus. However, real deep cleansing for now and eternity can only be found in a relationship with God through the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. If you want real cleansing, if I want real cleansing, I need to go to the cross. David knew that. He knew that salvation was from the Lord and he knew that salvation was for now but also for eternity. <coughs> and also his blessings. He prayed that the blessings would be on his people. So he, he didn't only pray for, him, pray for himself and his, and, and, and his survival, but he prayed for others. He prayed for his people. Now it's important in new beginnings that we don't just pray for ourselves, that we remember others. We think about others. Because we've not been able to see each other, 
it's 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 more important than ever before to pray for each other, to think about each other, to share a love with each other, to be compassionate towards each other. That's so difficult when we're not meeting. But we can do that through prayer. So in closing, just for a few minutes, what can we take personally and as a church in new beginnings from this psalm? During these stressful times, and they are stressful times of uncertainty and tension and instability, we need to embrace the truth of these promises personally, in your home, in your work, in your family, in the community of Moody'sborn and wherever you are, and in the church family of New Beginnings. Make no mistake about it. You'll continue to face conflict and problems and difficulties. Who amongst us has sailed through this time with no problems? If you have done, I want you to phone me and let me know your secret because I've not managed it. Who amongst us has sailed through this with no problems? But remember this, in the midst of it all, God will be faithful. You need to trust him. God will be faithful. He will not let us down. You'll have highs and you'll have lows. But God will be right there with you, just the way that he was with David. God will be right there with you. You need to believe that, brothers and sisters. God will be there with you. It's something that we have to embrace. And sometimes it's difficult to embrace that when we're going through the difficult circumstances of life. You'll have family joy and happiness, but there will also be tensions and discord. And we need to come to God for his wisdom, not, not our wisdom, for his wisdom and his strength. And we need to ask for that. We've all been through difficult situations. Life's been tough at the moment. Life's tough anyway without coronavirus. But God wants you to experience his presence and his love for you and your family. Just the way God wanted David to experience his presence amidst all the problems with his family and his son wanting to kill him. And Satan attacked David through his family. And that can happen. During this time of pandemic, Remember, Satan's no friend of the family, including your family, including my family. He'll use this pandemic and other things to attack us. But please remember this. Greater is he that is in us. That just means God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's Satan. So we've won the victory. Well, the Lord has won the victory for us. We stand in the victory side. In 2.20, during this unique and concerning time, regarding our families, pray for salvation. How many of our families just need the Lord? Pray for salvation. Pray for restoration for people to get back to the cross. I've needed restoration a few times in my life to get myself back to where I should be. For healing for wisdom, for guidance, for protection. We need his protection. And he gives us that. 
Don't be frightened to call out, call out to the Lord and let him know what your problems are and let him know what your struggles are and let him know what your worries are and let him, let him know what's bearing you down and weighing you down. God will be right there with you in your personal journey, both personally and your family and in the family of new beginnings. Because remember, we're a family of new beginnings. And how wonderful it is, I, I could not explain how wonderful it is to see people sitting in a church. We've been on Zoom for weeks, but my heart's just uplifted. I'm, I'm actually looking at the screen now, and I'm, I'm seeing people sitting in the church, now, and I just feel so uplifted. And I'm sure the other folks in Zoom that are sitting here just feel the same. And thank you very much for coming in today. It's just wonderful. Wonderful. So at this time, what the Lord has laid in my heart also is prayer. Please pray for our trustees, Bill and Kathy and Graham and Nicola. And one of the reasons I want us to pray about this, when you're opening church and when you're looking to open a coffee house, we're looking at the way forward. We need to be prepared. That preparation can weigh you down. When you look at all the legal stuff from the Scottish office, etc., 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 it's a mountain of stuff. And we need to be prepared, and it's right to be prepared. It's right not to take shortcuts. It's right to do the right thing. But please, please remember these four people, Bill and Cathy and Graham and Nicola. Please remember them prayers because there's a way of responsibility in their shoulders. But as they, as they look forward, we can trust in the guide. We can trust in the guide, the Lord Jesus, through his Holy Spirit. We can trust in the guide to take us the right way, to help us to do the right things, to be prepared, not to be frightened, not to be fearful, because we're on the victory side. Pray for each other, brothers and sisters, that in our personal and family life will We'll keep our heads high and praise and embrace the victory we have in Jesus and thank God for all he's done for us. Keep your head high. There's some of you here today and your head's been really low because life's, life's circumstances have caused you to, to be dispirited. Try and lift your head high. Be proud of Jesus, not of yourself. Lift your head high. The Lord wants once you embrace the victory rather than Satan getting the victory of you feeling downcast and despondent. And life circumstances get us that way. But be prepared. Be prepared and trust God in everything you do, wherever you go. It's important to be prepared. And part of that preparation is recognizing that he is our shield and defender. He protects us with his armor. I think I shared this in January. Uh, I did actually, I think I shared this in January, but I'd been just thinking, you know, during the week that I've been praying for so many people. It's amazing how things change in your life. My prayer life's really increased. It really has. And it just dawned on me. I should have been doing this before, the amount of people that I'm praying for. But there are people in the church I'm forgetting about. And I'm forgetting about because maybe I've not seen them in Zoom. I'm just forgetting about them. And I, I don't know if this is possible or not, and Graham and Nicola, whether Kathy and Bill, you know, whether 
certainly their technical knowledge and everything else. I was just wondering if we could maybe even have a wee prayer sheet with every single person's name on it and and praying for somebody else maybe each day and maybe 40 or 50 folk praying for Lorena or Sandra or Chris or Cathy and Bill. Or, anyway, it's just a wee thought. I had shared that with Graham, I think, just before the pandemic, but then we get taken over by so much, you know, and, and I don't know if even it'd be a good idea because there's so many rules and regulations about sharing information nowadays, but it's just a thought that, that might help me because my prayer life can be a bit erratic at times and I just remember whoever comes into my head and, and uh, would maybe organise me a wee bit. Maybe I'm thinking more about myself than anybody else, but I just would hope that I'm thinking about everybody in new beginnings. Brothers and sisters, thank you very much for, uh, for listening today. And I'm just looking at my watch. I, I think I've done it again. I think I've went on a wee bit. Uh, and I, I do apologise for that. But please, um, please embrace these wonderful promises of God that David embraced. That the Lord loves you. He wants to look after you. He wants to be with you each step of the way. And he wants to bless you. And he wants you to have glory in him. Amen. Thank you.